Hey guys, this is Tyler. Before I start this episode, I have a message for my accredited investors. Are you guys tired of the same old boring syndications? Have you ever wished you could invest in a virtually recession-proof market? Well, here's your chance to join me as I literally buy Key West, Florida. That's right, Key West, Florida. How do you get involved? You go to keywestcashflow.com forward slash call and book a call with me today. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Howdy doody, boys and girls. I hope you're having a great week. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And for those of you that are tuning in for the first time, you probably heard my little bumper commercial there about our new exciting fund. We're calling it Key West Cashflow. It's an investment fund syndicate, if what you will. Uh, we're getting together some of our good friends. We're going to go ahead and uh, do some great deals down here. We're going to buy some rental properties and uh, add some value and turn these things around and take advantage of this great environment down here in Key West. So that said, in the end, you probably heard us talking about accredited investors. And I've had a few people ask me, Tyler, what's an accredited investor? Well, accredited investor is uh, that the term is to, is basically defined by the Internal Revenue Service or by the SEC. And um, they, they say that you need to have a, a gross income has to exceed $200,000 in each of the two most recent years. So $200,000 a year, if you make $200,000 a year gross, it's before taxes, in the most recent two years. Or if you're married and your income exceeds $300,000, then you could be an accredited investor. And you might say to yourself, well, Tyler, I made $199,000 the last two years. I'm not an accredited investor. Wait one second. You might be an accredited investor if you have a individual net worth or a joint net worth that exceeds $1 million and that excludes your primary residence. So those of you small business owners, you own a business. Uh, I know a lot of physicians listen to this show. You guys out there have a practice. If your practice is worth over a million dollars after expenses, if you've got uh, commercial real estate or you've got residential real estate, investment properties, whatever it may be, um, you may qualify to be an accredited investor. So best way to find out for sure is to get with your CPA, your certified public accountant, the person that does your taxes, and just flat out ask them. They should know right off right off the bat if you're a accredited investor. And if you are, then you need to go to keywestcashflow.com forward slash call, book a slot, get on the call, get on a call with Mike and I. We're going to talk to you about all kinds of good stuff that we're doing down here in Key West that we're looking to do. And we are very, very close to kicking things off. So in coming weeks, you're going to see a lot of advertising going out on all the social media channels. We're going to be doing some webinars, talking about the opportunities that we got and that type of thing. So today we're going to talk about tucking your wings. And you saw the title maybe before you clicked on the episode, you probably thought, man, maybe he's actually is smoking dope down there in Key West with all the beach bums and the hippies and whatnot. Maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's having way too many happy hours. No, I'm not, guys. Got a lot of stuff going on down here. I'm out there pounding the pavement every day. Matter of fact, today I was out at uh, code enforcement. I went out to the code enforcement uh, hearing. Not a whole lot happening this week, but I'll be going back again here soon and keep an eye on that because, guys, I'm always out there taking stabs at opportunity. Now that I'm down here in Key West, we got this investment fund, right? We're raising $5 million. We're going out and we're buying properties, primarily multifamily uh, rental properties. We're going to do some value add 
Uh, we're going to renovate these things, get them looking good, get them looking sharp, get them performing well. So all kinds of good stuff going on. And that means I have to t- just like a seabird. I, this episode came to me. I was sitting out there at the beach the other day. I was out there on the, uh, the over by the White Street Pier and I was watching the seabirds. And, you know, the seabirds, they're doing their thing. They're trucking around. They're trying to get dinner just like me, right? I had to go to the store to get dinner. But the seabirds, well, they fly around, they look for their dinner. And when you watch a seabird hunt, uh, when he decides or she decides to go in for the kill, he tucks his wings. He just tucks his wings, that reduces the drag, and he slams himself into the ocean head first. And that's how he gets his dinner. And that got me thinking. I was sitting there watching it over and over again. It's just a great day, and the sun was getting ready to set. And I'm watching these seabirds out there feeding on fish. This dude spends his whole day. He's an opportunistic feeder. What that means is, is that if he sees a meal in front of him, he dang sure better get, get eaten because he may not find a fish every day. He may fly around, and I don't know, maybe there's some sort of... Uh, environmental reason there's no fish out there maybe there's a storm and that whipped up the water and the, and the bird can't see in the water so the guy doesn't know where his next meal is coming from so he's essentially always on the hunt and, and i started thinking about what i'd go through as a real estate investor and what hopefully some of you are, are going through is that you go through periods where you think to yourself geez you know i better get off my butt and start finding something to look at or something to make some offers on and you know i've been doing all kinds of other stuff like i've been driving around the country goofing off I haven't really been outsourcing opportunity for quite a while. Now I'm back in the saddle looking to add, increase my portfolio, bring in some friends with me. If you're a credit investor, you need to, you need to get on the phone with me and let's talk about it. But I need to be always on the hunt for opportunity, right? I got to bring a lot of opportunity to the table. I got a lot of deals to analyze. I got a lot of things to negotiate. And for me to do that, you know, right out of the gate, I can't sit there and judge a book by its cover. Imagine if the seabird waited around to find the perfect fish. Like, let's say, I don't know, he's waiting for a a trout and he just flies around, flies around, flies around, flies around, and he won't take a a dive until he finds a trout. Well, that dude will probably starve to death. And we as investors, we do this a lot. I've done this a lot. Also, I'm the guy, I'm guilty. I've sat there and looked at opportunity and gone, "Ah, that's overpriced. Reality guys, everything's overpriced. Matter of fact, when I really think to think about it, I can't think of any opportunity I've ever seen that was priced right right out of the gate. Because if I thought it was priced right, there was usually something bad wrong with it. Like, oh, it was a facade of a building. The back of the building didn't exist. Or, oh, it has no roof. And I don't know what died in this building, but goodness gracious. So it's very easy for us to judge a book by its cover. It's very easy to roll by a piece of property and go, that dude's crazy. He's smoking crack. That thing's not worth whatever they're asking for it. The, the market's too hot. The seller will say no. They won't take my offer. They won't consider seller financing. Seller financing is illegal. All the different reasons that we will sit there and give ourselves that something doesn't work. So if you were that bird, you'd be dead. You'd be absolutely dead. So what I want you guys to do over the next couple months, and man, a lot of good stuff's happening out there in the economy right now. Lots of opportunity coming around the corner. There are deals out there, guys. There are deals out there. I know because I'm seeing people do them. I know because I'm finding them. And the only reason I haven't pulled the trigger on any of these yet is that we're just getting the corporation set up for the new fund and we're going to start taking on investor capital here in the next couple of weeks. Then it's on like Donkey Kong, folks. I have discovered so much great opportunity down here. Fix and flip opportunities, rental property opportunities, value add. This is a home run down here. But I hate to say it. This is a market that you better know people. You better not even be driving for dollars. You better be walking for dollars. And considering a hotel room is, oh, about 1400 bucks a night right now in Key West, most folks aren't even going to bother looking down here. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here. And you can bet your bippy that I'm going to be, I've been rolling up my sleeves. I've been that opportunistic feeder. 
I'm out there talking to people. I'm meeting realtors. I'm meeting sellers. I'm meeting the tenants. I'm spending time around the tenants learning what is it they want. Everybody says they want affordable housing, but what does that mean? And what I've learned is there is a lot of rental property here that is just in ratty condition. That's crazy priced. I mean, for example, a one bedroom apartment for 2,500 bucks, one bedroom, 2,500 bucks. And it's a dump. I mean, it's an absolute dump. And it's like, wow. And uh, I've seen situations where they've had the same tenants for a decade. In that case, the rent's $1,200 or $1,500 a month. And it's like, wow, those people are getting getting quite a deal. And in a lot of cases, the places are gorgeous. So we're going to see if we can even things out a little bit. We're going to kind of take some of these dog, these ugly properties off the market, and we're going to get them looking good. We're going to add some value. We're going to fix them right. We're going to put quality appliances in. We're going to get rid of those nasty window shakers that run your power bill up through the ceiling. And we're going to put mini splits in there that are energy efficient. Um, We're going to do all kinds of green energy things. There's all kinds of tax rebates coming down the road, coming down the pike here for green energy. Like it or like it or hate it, guys. You know, when the IRS or the government tells you what they want you to do, there usually follows a tax incentive. And I pay attention to that. Um, So as those tax incentives start coming, you can you can count on it that we're going to get in on that because we want ourselves, my partner, Mike and I, and our investors to reduce, reduce their tax liability, right? If they can, if they, if we can offer that as a benefit, you're an accredited investor and you're getting wrecked in taxes, then we should talk. Now I'm no CPA, but we have a CPA on staff that can talk to your CPA. You guys can put your heads together. We can talk about some serious uh, tax advantaged investing opportunities that are coming down the road. But for that to happen, you need to get on the phone with us and, Make it happen. So what I see a lot of times is we get discouraged. I get discouraged, right? Think of that. Let's go back to that bird again, right? He's out there tucking his head. He's he's splashing all over the place. He's slamming his head in the water trying to get a fish. And you know, guess what? The dude misses probably a lot. I sat there and watched this one seabird, uh, comorant or whatever it was, and he was just pounding his head into the water time after time. He came up with like one minnow. That was it. I mean, a little dude, like the size of your pinky finger. That's not enough to feed that bird for a day. So he could just sit there on the water and feel sorry for himself and, you know, maybe, I don't know, pick fleas off his feathers or whatever. But instead, he takes off and he gets back up in the air. He flies to his perch. He sits there and he waits for opportunity. And he sees a little splash in the water. And be honest with you guys, at the time he sees the splash, when he decides to jump and go after it, he doesn't know if it's a catfish or a trout. He doesn't know. He's got to go after it to find out if it's a turd or not, right? Find out if it's something that... He wants to eat or isn't going to be good for him to eat, but he's still going to get off off that perch. He's going to take up off the water. He's going to fly at top speed. He's going to come crashing down towards it with his eyes open, trying to see if it's got a stinger in it that's going to hurt him. If it's a catfish or something, he's not going to eat because he knows what he's doing. And guess what? If he doesn't like what he sees, once he gets real close, he'll abort or he'll crash into the water with his mouth closed. Maybe get himself washed off a little bit. And the catfish will be like, dude, whiskey, tango, foxtrot. What was that all about? And the the bird will probably look at him and go, sorry, dude, I don't eat catfish, right? But my point is this. Yes, he misses all the time, but he doesn't just go home. He doesn't just go find a, a tree to sit in and bitch about how all the fish are catfish today. He's out there no matter what. When the sun's up, that dude's fishing. If he can see opportunity, anything in the water, he's going after it full tilt. Okay, He's going to try and try and try again until his belly's full. And when his belly's full, he's going to chill out to the next day. And then he's going to get up again in the next day and he's going to do it all over again. And that's how the life cycle works. Now ask yourself as a real estate investor, how much energy are you putting into it? How often 
Are you getting up off your perch? Are you putting those wings in action, flying top speed, going after an opportunity? Because here's the thing, guys. You go sashaying up to a to an opportunity all nice and quiet, try to sneak up there. Guess what? Somebody like me is going to come in, and I'm going to step right in front of you. And you're not getting around me. I'm a big boy. Um, I'm going to take that opportunity out from underneath you. That's just how it rolls. Okay? I've, we've already seen that here in Key West. A lot of folks are, like, standing on the sidelines wondering what they should do. And they're not real happy when they see my big head in the seller's living room having a conversation. Or I'm talking to these listing agents that have properties that have been on the market for a while. I'm understanding what makes this market tick. I'm really getting to know a lot of good people. I'm talking to the tenants. I'm talking to the landlords. I'm talking to the real estate agents. There's a lot of talent down here, guys, in Key West. I hate to, I'm here to tell you, a lot of talent. A lot of rock star agents. I met one the other day. Good guy. Real aggressive. Does Real heavy marketer, I dig it. Went out, had a good talk with him, walked one of his properties. We might be putting an offer in here soon. I'm, the only thing that we're waiting for is we're waiting to get more information from the seller so that we can structure a win-win deal. Um, but that's what you got to do, guys. You got to get out there and you got to you got to peel off the, the label. You got to look in the water. You got to stick your head down there and see what's down there because you can't sit there and judge the book by its cover. You can't go on Zillow and, and then say there's nothing in the market that makes sense because the things that are, nothing's advertised at a price that it makes sense. Your job is to negotiate it there. You got to get it there. So I ask you what's stopping you. And for a lot of people, maybe you do get the numbers and maybe you found something that's on the market and maybe there it's listed by a broker and the brokers listed all the financial information. And I love it when I see that, when I see a broker that's got a rental property listed for sale and they have the income information in there. See guys, that's the mark of a good broker, of a good realtor. That's a rock star. Or if you're working with a realtor as a buyer in a buyer's agent capacity, and that buyer, that agent, that realtor is out there getting you that information so that you can plug it into your deal analyzer and find out the thing makes sense. That's the mark of a good realtor. But then the next part comes that tends to stall us in the tracks a lot is that old analysis paralysis. Some folks get caught up on cap rate. Other folks get caught up on IRR or internal rate of return. Some people don't not quite clear on what a good cash on cash return is. Well, here's the news, guys. There's answers for those questions. Cap rate is very market dependent. The cap rate on uh, multifamily real estate is different than the cap rate on office properties or parking lots or or come up with another another type of uh, real estate opportunity. Mobile home parks have a, a different cap rate. So how do you find out? what the market cap rate is. Well, you find an experienced real estate broker. So if you're dealing with commercial property in the commercial, in the area, you get in the, you know, you let your fingers do the walking. You go on uncle Google, you type in commercial realtor, Chicago, or the zip code you're working in and see who comes up in the search results. Give them a call and say, Hey, my name's Jimmy. And I'm looking to buy some commercial property in your market in Chicago Heights, Illinois. And I'm curious what should, what's the average cap rate that properties that that specifically offices sell for or gas stations sell for in Chicago. And guess what? That agent might not know the answer because maybe he doesn't sell gas stations. But I bet you he probably knows somebody who does and then can refer you and see that guy's that gets you one step further down the road. IRR is another thing. A lot of folks get all hung up on IRR. Syndicators love to throw out the term IRR interest or uh, internal rate of return. And the reality of it is guys, a projected IRR is a guess. It, it is a guess. And it depends on many, many factors, many, many assumptions. I should say the factors, but yes, they're assumptions. So don't get hung up on internal rate of return because you really can't analyze the internal rate of return until you've owned a specific property or controlled a specific property for a period of time. 
So let's say you're doing an apartment building investment and you're looking at, now you've owned it for five years, you're getting ready to exit. You can look at your cash flow analysis, your, your return on cash flow, your return on equity, your appreciation, all these different things. You can add them up and come up with the internal rate of return for that investment based on historical fact, based on the last one, two, three, four, five years. But what a lot of these, these uh, deal sponsors do is they, they, have you ever watched Johnny Carson where he used to have that envelope that he would hold it to his forehead and try to prophecy or guess what was inside? That's really what they're doing, guys. They're, they're using assumptions. They're saying, well, we feel that it should appreciate it 10% uh, per year for five years, which is 50% divided by five is 10% uh, IRR on appreciation. And we're going to make a 9% return on, uh, on net cash flow on rents. And, and they add all these things together and they divide it by the number of years. And the calculation itself sometimes can be a little complex. You can Google it. Uh, DeRosa Group has a great video that explains it pretty much in detail. But guys, that's not the only metric you're going to use when you decide to do a deal or not. Don't turn down someone's syndicate or their offer because you don't like their IRR. If their IRR is 10%, you got to ask, what are the factors that went into that figure? And if it's 20% or 30% or 50%, you should know what are the assumptions, what are the specific assumptions that were used to calculate that. So you see the importance of making sure that you understand where the person that's giving you the data obtained the data, where are these data points from? Did they guess? Did they pull them out of the sky? Did they use the U.S. Census Bureau? Did they use Marcus and Millichap reporting? What data sources did they use? Maybe BlackRock Group, one of these uh, core da- core logic data, lots of different data points out there, lots of different levels of accuracy. And it's your job as the investor to understand where this information came from. Because if when you, if you only use something like cap rate or internal rate of return or a hurdle rate or whatever else you come up with, if you use one or two metrics, then you're probably going to miss the ball every time. You got to look at the big picture. Cap rate is this thing at now. What's the, what is the what is the internal rate of return on this unit in this building? Maybe you're buying, you're coming in and investing on the back end of the investment. Maybe they've owned it for a couple of years and now they're looking to uh, refi out their investors, and you're going to replace those investors for the next five years. That's a good reason to look at IRR because it tells the story of what the property did or what the asset has done on a performance basis over the past timeline. It's based on historical data for that actual asset, which clearly should be significantly more accurate than anything you would guess in the future, right or wrong. That's just how it is. Cash on cash return. Another thing, you're going to put $50,000 in. You should be able to come up with a reasonable understanding of what your return will be on that $50,000 investment. And more importantly, how is it going to get there? How is the asset or the syndicate or the fund or whatever you're doing, how are they going, what specifically are they going to do um, to generate the return that they're promising you? If they're talking about a year over year return, that's Y over Y, or this is Y O Y or cash over cash uh, or cash on cash on cash. Rather, you need to know where these numbers uh, emanate from. Here's an example in Key West. We know that there are specific appreciation rates. We also know that Key West, it happens to be a market that is pretty much insulated from major shocks to pricing. They don't appreciate as fast as everyone else. In other words, they don't hockey stick like everybody else, a lot of other markets do, like Tampa, for example. But Tampa goes way up fast, and Tampa also falls like a stone. 
during the housing crash, Tampa market dropped 40%, a lot of data points say. And it took several years uh, for them to recover, but they still recovered at a pace much faster than other parts of the country. So we're to, we're, we got to compare apples to apples and look at the big picture, guys. Rents, though, in the Tampa Bay market were kind of suppressed for quite a while until recently. They started going up recently because demand kicked in. But like back in 2010, 2011, 2012 in the Tampa Bay market, rents really never climbed much. They were pretty stagnant. Um, but now rents are through the ceiling in the Tampa Bay area. Key West, rents have been pretty much crazy since the beginning of time. It's all relative to the local economy. It's a tourist destination. Everybody wants to live in Key West. That's why I live here. It's an amazing place. It's heaven on earth. It's paradise. So the whole world wants to live in Key West. So what does that do? And by the way, there's very little supply here. There's very few properties to rent. So when you have a supply issue, supply versus demand issue, if there's more demand than there is supply, these are things you got to factor. Those are markets you want to invest in, guys. Because if you've got more demand in a marketplace than you do rentals to rent them, that means the rent prices are only always going to go up. Rents are not going to go backwards in that type of environment. But now if you look at a market like, I don't know, Chicago, there's lots of rental units available in Chicago. They have the adverse problem. They have more supply, more available rentals than they do people to rent them. Why? Well, because people are getting the hell out of Chicago. Maybe they're tired of getting shot at. People in California, California starting to see that. There's a big migration pattern happening. People are moving out of California, going to places like Arizona, um, out to Boise, Idaho, to Texas. In a lot of cases, they come all the way to Florida. And what that causes is a surplus of availability of rental properties. Yeah, You can get away with that for a while in a market, guys, but eventually that makes rents get stagnant. And worst case scenario, rents start sliding backwards. That doesn't happen too often, but it has happened in some parts of the country. So keep this stuff in mind, guys. Uh, This is the stuff you got to be looking at. You got to peel back the onion. You got to tuck your wings and slam the face in the water and look for that for that dinner. I mean, your dinner is not going to come up, knock on your door. Okay. If you're thinking that you're going to get a 30% return on your money uh, in a passive investment without doing any research at all to find the right one, then I got news for you. You're going to be disappointed. But if you want to get up there, roll up your sleeves, you want to talk to people, you want to ask the tough questions. Don't be afraid to get on the phone with the deal sponsors and ask the tough questions. By doing so, you're going to, number one, you should be getting an education. And number two, you're going to sniff out uh, a lot of the guessing that goes on in the industry, unfortunately. I'd like to think there's not much guessing going on, but the reality of it is that that does sometimes happen. So guys, I hope you found value in this episode. Um, It's important that you take forward action. I say that all the time and I mean it very, very much. I, I want you guys to to achieve financial independence. I believe that everybody in the sound of my voice, if they decide to do it, if they get that no matter what intentional attitude that they're going to make it happen, then it can happen for them. But if you're sitting there on the sidelines, always saying that everything's overpriced and it's everybody else's fault and blah, blah, blah. And I don't have any money and my credit sucks. And you keep talking about the negative stuff, guys, you're never going to get there, right? This is the year 2021 to make that positive change. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start 
generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.